Good morning. morning. Welcome to family worship. I'd like to thank the teens for helping us helping us lead worship today. If you are concerned that we might have forgotten the Lord's Supper this morning, we're actually going to partake after the lesson today, as the lesson's going to lead us into the Lord's Supper. So that'll be coming up shortly. In World War II, there were four chaplains that boarded the SS Dorchester, along with 900 sailors. These four chaplains represented different religions, yet they all worshipped the same God. One night, as the ship was approaching Greenland, a Nazi submarine approached the ship and hit it with a torpedo. The ship lost power and began to take on water. Then there was panic as the ship was beginning to sink. The four chaplains quickly made their way to the top deck to help out in any way that they could. And there, among the chaos and the darkness, they gave their four life jackets to four sailors that didn't have one. Then they helped everyone remain calm and get on the lifeboats. They decided to stay on that top deck to help the injured sailors. And while they were there, as the ship was going down, they linked arms and they began to sing hymns of praise. For one of the soldiers, one of the sailors that was sailing away on the lifeboat, he looked up and saw the scene. And he said, that was one of the the closest things I've ever seen to heaven. 230 sailors survived that night, and they lived to tell this story. It was a scene that they would never forget. It was a scene that they would always remember. There's many stories like this. Through the years, we've had armed forces protect us and sacrifice their lives for us. So at this time, I'd like to ask anyone that has been in the armed forces, please stand. Let's give them a hand. We need to always remember you. We need to always remember what you did for us and our country and for our freedom. This is a very important weekend where we get to remember and think back. God also calls us to remember. Our Heavenly Father wants us to remember Him. He wants us to remember that He's the most important thing in our lives. He wants us to put Him at the center of our lives. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we read about Adam and Eve, and they had the perfect life in the garden until sin was introduced. And as we read, we see the downfall of mankind with sin, the separation from God and mankind. And God decided he had had enough. He was going to destroy the world. He was going to start over. And we know the story of Noah and his sons, how they built the ark. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights as God sent the flood. And so often we think about this as a fun story that we tell in children's class about the boat and the animals and the rain. But we all know this was a tragic story, don't we? All of mankind, except for the people on that boat, died. They lost their lives. 
God sent an event that he wanted mankind to remember. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 13 through 16, it says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Here we see God made a promise, but he wanted mankind to remember that promise, so he gave us rainbows. And now, even today, every time we look up at the sky and we see a rainbow, we can remember that there was a time on this earth when there was so much sin that God destroyed it. And he's promised us he will never end the world again with a flood. I like to think that that was enough to set everyone on the right track. I like to think that that was enough to turn mankind around. But it wasn't. God needed to send another event. And in Exodus, we read about that event. We read about how God wanted to have a positive impact on the world through his, his people, the Jews. However, they were enslaved in Egypt, and Pharaoh wasn't going to let them go. So he sent an event, the plagues. And let's think about these plagues for a minute. You have the Nile River turning to blood. That was their source of water, and it was gone. Frogs taking over the land. And children's worship, we talked about this, and all the boys said this would be amazing. They wished it could happen here. But it probably wasn't a good scene, having frogs everywhere. Dust becoming gnats. Can you imagine? You couldn't talk. You couldn't breathe out of your mouth, or gnats would fly into your mouth. And then swarms of flies all over the place, almost like you're in Texas. Flies everywhere. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and then the livestock of the Egyptians died. This was their transportation. This was their food. And it was gone. And then painful boils on the Egyptians. Now it's starting to get physical. And then the worst, horn uh, the worst hell storm Egypt had ever seen. Locusts covered all of Egypt, and they ate the rest of the food. So there's no food. Three days of complete darkness. And then came the grand finale. The firstborn son died. Can you imagine that night, the screaming, the crying, the sorrow? that took place in Egypt. God sent an event. He needed to get their attention. And this sets up what I believe to be one of the greatest scenes in the Bible, at least in the Old Testament. Pharaoh had enough. He was going to set the Israelites free. So as they were in the wilderness, he then changed his mind he decided he wanted them back. So he sent his soldiers after them. And here we see the Israelites trapped between the Red Sea, the mountain range, and the incoming soldiers. 
and they started to forget the power of God. They started to lose faith. They started to turn against God. They wanted to go back and be slaves again. But we know that God worked through Moses, and Moses lifted his rod, and the water split and formed two walls. And the Israelites walked through on dry land. And then the soldiers chasing after them went through the water, and the water and the walls crashed and killed the soldiers. The Israelites were now free. God took care of them. But then in Exodus 13, he institutes the Passover. He wants them to remember what happened. He wants them to remember the plagues. He wants them to remember the death. He wants them to remember how he took them out of bondage. Unfortunately, it didn't seem to work. The Israelites continued to turn their backs on God. They continued to forget about God. They continued to not put God first in their lives. They did this through the kings, through the judges, through the promised land, all the way to the destruction of Jerusalem. They kept forgetting about their Heavenly Father. Even with this reminder of the Passover, they continued to forget. They continued to make it more about themselves and turn to idols. And before we get too tough on the Israelites, isn't that same thing happening today? We've read the word of God. We've seen his glory. We know the power of God. We know about the great flood. We know about the plagues and the Passover. We know what God has done for us. So my question this morning is, why do we sometimes forget about God? Why do we sometimes make it more about us than our Heavenly Father? Why do we sometimes put God in third, fourth, or fifth place in our lives? Mankind continued to struggle and continue to forget about God. Lucky for us, we serve a loving God. Lucky for us, our God didn't give up for us, on us. He continued to want to bless us. So it was time for another event. It was time for us to remember again. And we know that our Heavenly Father sent his own Son with the Passover, they would sacrifice a, a lamb or a goat that was one years of age without blemish. And God decided it was time to sacrifice the perfect lamb, his own son. In Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, it says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. The disciples didn't understand what was going on. Yet, over the next 12 hours, Jesus would get arrested, mocked, spat upon, whipped, pushed around, bloodied by a crown of thorns. And then he would be hung on a cross where there he would die. All for the forgiveness of our sins. And what we're seeing happening in this upper room is that Jesus, on the Passover, is instituting the Lord's Supper. He wanted to create an event to where we would always remember and never forget. So he sacrificed his life so that we could have forgiveness of sins, so that we could be washed by the blood of the Lamb, and so that we could have hope of eternal life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we observe the Lord's Supper to commemorate, to remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took our sins to the cross. And because of him, we can have a relationship with God. Sin doesn't separate us. We observe the Lord's Supper to anticipate the reunion in our Father's kingdom. Jesus is going to come back to get us. And we want to anticipate that reunion. And then we observe the Lord's Supper to participate. We've been asked to have a personal examination. We need to look at our lives. We need to look at how we're living our lives. And here's the honest truth. If we come in here on the first day of the week, think about the love that our Heavenly Father had for us, our Savior dying on the cross for our sins. If that doesn't make us want to live better for Him during the next week, something's wrong. If you partake of the Lord's Supper and you don't want to do better, something's wrong. And you need to examine that. We need to ask for forgiveness. And we need to know that it's because of that death that we get to live with him again. And then we get to come together as a church family. We get to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection together as a family. Knowing that Jesus is the way of salvation. It's through Jesus that we get to God. We should not allow the ways of the world to cause us to forget about what God has done for us. And that seems easy, doesn't it? But yet, it's very hard. I promise you this. There is nothing on this earth that is more important than putting God first. And we need to remember that 
because the world makes other things look more exciting. We need to remember what God has done for us. This morning, I want to close with a poem. I think this speaks to the value that we have as Christians. It's the touch of the master's hand. T'was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he cried, who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and lightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what now I bid for the old violin, as he held it aloft with its bow. One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. Going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried. We just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, all battered and bruised by sin, is auctioned cheap by a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, wine a game, and he travels on. He is going once, he is going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. The world has a hard time understanding the value of a Christian that serves their God. Our lives have been richly and blessed, blessed because of our Heavenly Father. We've been blessed because of that great sacrifice. And we need to always remember Remember who we are and where we're going. If you'd like to be a part of God's family, come forward. Let us baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. It will change your life. If you've forgotten the power of God, if you've forgotten your Heavenly Father, if you're not living the type of life you've been called to, to live, come forward and let us pray for you. Let's stand and sing the invitation song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My soul Oh,
Oh, God. 